Betches Media presents Betches Moms with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hello and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Aileen and today, no Brittany, she's still on maternity leave, but we checked in on her. She's doing well. So today we are joined by our very own director of talent and community at Betches. And she also happens to be my sister-in-law and an amazing mom of two, Shira Drexler. Welcome, Shira. Hi. This is a kind of a big deal. This is my first podcast like ever. This is your first podcast. You listen to Betcha's Moms. I listen to Betcha's Moms. I love it. I sometimes I write tweets very <laughs> few and far between. We've known each other forever. For a long time. You and Rusty, your husband, started yeah. dating right before Adam and I got engaged. I love telling that story. <laughs> <laughs> my Rusty <laughs> is is brothers with your Adam. Today is Rusty and, and mine um a seven year dating anniversary. <laughs> yeah. So you met and then on July seventh, Adam and I got engaged. And I think on July tenth was our engagement party. Rusty wanted to bring you and Adam was like, Don't you dare, she's gonna dump you. <laughs> like you can't just like bring this girl to meet all your family and our friends. Like too strong, too strong, red flag, she's gonna dump you. <laughs> yeah but also like from your perspective like who is this girl <laughs> she's not coming to our engagement party no i was like what are you gonna do she's gonna be so horrified by you and have to meet denise and like, i was like no don't do it so for every listening share and i also like share in-laws which is kind of funny like to think about that you and i have the same exact in-laws we have different experiences because yeah. also you had kids right like obviously i'm about to have my first but you or you have two kids and right that like having changed. children changes the dynamic for yeah. sure adam and i have also been together for like nine and a half years right i have more years of stories you have more years of stories <laughs> also i think there's a dynamic shift because you're the first of their sure. grandchildren he's the, he's the first he's the oldest yeah and then they also have a third brother the younger brother <laughs> Yeah. A third brother who is a lot younger. So that has like younger. a whole new set of new set of dynamic. That said, speaking of your kids, tell us how old they are. What are their names? They're so cute. So my oldest, Sophie, is three and a half. I, she's like almost four, but she's really three and a half. But she's like an old three, if you will. She's very crazy and bossy. She's just like her dad, but so funny and sweet. And then my baby Gemma is a year and she's just like the biggest mush butterball beef just eats all day long. She loves to hang out. She doesn't sleep as much as Sophie, which really like throws me off because like, why don't you nap all day and sleep 14 hours at night? Sophie sleeps like an exorbitant amount, even at her age, like the fact that she sleeps seven to seven, everyone is like, that's crazy. Like that she doesn't go to bed at nine o'clock. I'm like, no, fuck that. Like she's in bed at seven. The day's over. Because she has so much energy. It's, it's her personality. I mean, like, I think Adam and I are big sleepers and she just loves to sleep. Even when she napped, like, she would nap two, three hours at a time. Gemma naps, like, a normal, I think, amount, which is still, like, uh -huh. great that she naps twice a day and sleeps almost seven to seven. So, like, I really can't complain. But then there's days that she's, like, talking at 6.30 and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> she's so, they're both so cute. So, 
they're just ugh, they're really adorable and but you had Gemma like literally in the pandemic in the height of the pandemic I was pregnant which was rough I would say looking back everyone's like how did you do that and I think like I just shut everything off around me so like well one it was my second pregnancy I was lucky that I had easy pregnancies I was healthy I felt fine I worked out all the time like so I didn't have like pregnancy stress really ever which was good and I know that's not common so I was going about my life being pregnant taking care of a two-year-old we also decided to potty train Sophie like two days before the city shut down so that was not really good timing but it was fine because whatever, potty training is actually not that big of a deal. You just have to do it. And then all of a sudden, I guess, how many months pregnant was I in March? Like six months pregnant? I just remember when we were like sort of getting together in the backyard of our in-laws house, like on separate sides of the backyard, like different yeah. corners. Everyone's in gloves and masks. Literally nobody knows what to do. Like you guys were like behind a table. <laughs> yeah, I just, we just, I didn't go anywhere. Like no one came around me or Sophie. And I was just like, I'm pregnant. This is what I have to do. Like even my mom would be upset. You don't face on me every day. I'm like, I can't. Like I'm working, trying to work and take care of a two-year-old all day long, which like just based on my work and versus Adam's work, like he's just, he can't do that. And I'm pregnant and like, and then stayed that way. And then, I mean, it got, definitely got a little bit easier with COVID in the summer, you know, having her in June and the whole thought of having to like deliver by myself. I had like a 24 hour like meltdown over that. Like, how am I going to like do this by yeah. myself? But then was like, okay, like it's not your first time. It'll be okay. Like, which didn't, I didn't end up having to do that. Adam obviously was there, which was totally fine. But you went to the hospital by yourself. I remember you were like, yeah, I guess I'm just going to go. <laughs> I went to the hospital by myself, which actually was fine. I wasn't worried about that because I knew what to expect. And like, Adam couldn't leave Sophie anyway. And like, yeah. I was literally working. It was a Friday. It was like, like a year ago. I remember actually I was sending Sammy an email because we were talking about our holidays off for the year and we were talking about how like federal holidays are like a little arbitrary <laughs> and like <laughs> if we wanted to change them or add them and provide context to the, the staff so yeah. I was writing this whole email to her and all day I kept being like I really want to work out today because I was like pretty good I would work out like four times a week I would spin or whatever up until the end even when I went into labor with Sophie I worked out the day before and then I got up to go to the bathroom and Adam was actually on the phone with Rusty just talking about whatever. And I come out of the bathroom. I'm like, yeah, yeah, my water's breaking. My water's breaking. He was like, now, now. I was like, uh-huh. And then he calls Rusty back. He's like, what does that feel like? Like you're just peeing your pants like a poly motherfucker. <laughs> so like there's, it's different though. With Sophie, like it was like a very obvious, like a little bit of pee. And I was like, oh, this is what breaking your water is. Uh-huh. Gemma, it was like a fucking flood. It was Waterfall. insane. Like literally like faucet. Like I, it was crazy. Like I know that's disgusting, but like I was just like, it just kept going and going and going. And I was like, oh, but I had no pain. With Sophie, as soon as my water broke, I was in an insane amount of pain that I was flipping out. But yeah. with Gemma, I had no pain. So I was like, this is weird. So I was like, I'm going to shower. My hair looks like shit. And I'm going to call Dr. Bradley, my OB, because I'm like, I'm not really going anywhere. So I call, I call the on-call. I like leave him. I'm like, I think my water broke. I'm only 37 and a half weeks pregnant. I was also at the doctor the day before to get checked because you get checked uh -huh. every week. 
Yeah. And I'm like, I have time. She's going to call me back in like 20, 30 minutes. I get in the shower. I'm showering. Adam's panicking, calling every brother <laughs> he knows who can yeah. come and like be with Sophie. And yeah. I get out of the shower in time for my doctor to call me back. And she's like, I'm like, listen, like, there's so much fluid. I went to the bathroom. Like, my water's fully breaking. I have no pain. She's like, yeah, you're in labor. Like, come in. I'm on call. I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yeah. I'm like, but like, are you sure? Because I have no pain. She's like, Shira, like, please come. Like, you got to Yeah, you're losing fluid. And also, <laughs> I was strappy positive, which like, if people don't know what that is, it's like, this is also gross, but it's like an infection that you can pass to the baby, like through a vaginal birth. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's so random. Like if you have it or you don't have it, I did not have uh-huh. it with, when I was pregnant with Sophie, but I had it with Gemma. Basically they don't want you to be like in labor, not in the hospital too long because of risk of infection. So like a good rule of thumb would be like, you need to be there within like 30 minutes to an hour of your water breaking. Like, don't fuck around. Don't go get your hair done. Like, yeah, <laughs> not that the baby's coming like right this second, but like you need to be admitted right away. And because of COVID, I knew they weren't going to let Adam in anyway. But because of that, they would admit me right away. So she was like, okay. it kind of works out in your favor. They're going to admit you right away and then they'll let him in. But they would let him in later. Later, but like they were, she was like, "You don't need to come to the hospital together anyway, because they're not going to let him into triage, which is like the waiting room of labor and delivery. Like when you're in labor, you don't just go to the ER; you go to the labor and delivery floor." Yeah. So I get an Uber, and I was like, "Game time! Like, let's try to (laughs) pop me up. Let's go!" Like waiting for Austin, the younger brother, (laughs) to come be with Sophie. So I was like, "I'm fine. I'm like double masked. I like don't give a fuck." But I'm fully leaking everywhere <laughs> like I have to put a pad in put my on underwear <laughs> no I saved depends for later we could talk about that too um and I get in this uber and I go to the hospital and nobody's there because it's COVID I was like this is so nice I'm in zero pain so I'm so confused yeah <laughs> and I'm like I think I'm in labor I'm a patient of Dr. Bradley's I'm due July 1st so they're like oh you're early I'm like 37 and a half weeks they like bring you to the back Mm-hmm. And they admit me like they put an IV in your hand. It's called a hep block. They and because of strepi positive, they have to put you in penicillin. I think it's like a bag every four hours. Or something. It's called strep B positive, like strep. Okay, strep B. It's an infection that you could pass through the baby, like through but a vaginal got, birth. You got something. You got they don't, it. Like get it. It just like happens, like oh, in okay. pregnancy. They swab you for it. They have they not swabbed you for it yet? <laughs> maybe in your third trimester they swab you for it you're positive or you're negative like it really I didn't doesn't get matter swabbed. I didn't get swabbed yet like where do they swab you 35 weeks in there they oh swabbed. in your in your vagine yeah. um no I not yet I guess so my 35 weeks week, yeah Sano. how many weeks are you right now 31 oh shit okay so in like four <laughs> <know>. weeks <laughs> oh my god you're almost there I know, I know. That's why when you talk about 37, I'm like, oh it's my God. Cr- that's weird, right? Because you're like, you could go at any moment. And we were living, we were quarantining. And I was like, I have to come back to the city. I have to nest. I have to unpack. I have to like put shit away. I panicked about that. And I made Adam come back to the city on 37 weeks to the dot. Yeah. And like a few days later, I went into labor. Okay, so you're in the hospital. You're ready. So I'm in the hospital. I'm in the back in triage. Like, there's a room before you deliver, before the delivery room. They hook you up and, like, a, a OBPA, like a PA, like an obstetrics and gynecology, co- came to check me. Uh huh. And they hook you up to a machine because they want to check the baby's heart rate and they measure your contractions. 
Now I was not feeling any pain. She's like, you're contracting because the, the monitor like on your uterus is monitoring the uterus contracting. I felt nothing. I was like, are you sure? <laughs> She's like, well, you're only a centimeter dilated and oh, okay. you're contracting every seven minutes. I'm like, I don't feel that. And she's like, okay, but you're in labor. I'm like, great. And so they have a hep block in me. They have fluids and they have penicillin. Maybe 20 minutes goes by and Adam calls me. He's like, hey, like I'm in the lobby. Like Austin got here really quick for so. So I like left right away. I'm downstairs. I'm like, okay, they make you, because of COVID, they make you like register because they need to know everyone in the hospital. So like go to like wherever. And then I'm on the phone with him. I'm looking at this PA and I'm like, my husband's in the lobby. Like, when is he allowed up? And she goes, you've been admitted. Like you're in labor. He can come upstairs. Now. <laughs> like I literally have an IV in my hand. You and didn't I'm just believe like, them. You didn't I just was like, them. I'm not in pain. Like with Sophie, I was in so much pain that I was a fucking maniac. I was screaming like a psycho, like for two hours. And you wanted to do a natural type of birth, right? For Sophie. This time were you, were you not going to even like fuck with no, that? No, I didn't even. So Mount, <laughs> the reason I chose Mount Sinai West, it doesn't exist anymore, which is a shame is that they have a hospital based birthing center which is a lot of people like also my mom is a nurse midwife. So like I believe in like natural if you can. I'm not trying to like be a hero and like look how tough I am because I'm really not tough at all. I clearly can't handle any pain. I just thought if I'm not in pain, why do I need drugs? Like I was afraid of doctors like pushing that on you because a lot of my friends had told me like I felt like I had this birth plan and I would go into labor and they would just like take over. Yeah. And I chose Dr. Bradley, my OB, for that reason. And she was even like, I'll push you to go as natural for as long as possible if you can. And a hospital-based birthing center is the best of both worlds. So like, it looks like an old hotel room from the 1980s and you could like <laughs> labor in a bathtub or in a bed. If you flip the fuck out and you're like, I need an epidural, they just move you upstairs. It's not yeah. like a birthing center that's removed. So I was like, this is, this is kind of like my safety plan. Like, I yeah. think I want to do this. Yeah, right. You also have to be in like optimal health in order to deliver in a birthing center. They yeah. risk you, you risk out every which way. And I was like, I finally made it like, you know, and then the second my water broke with Sophie and I was in insane pain, I was like, even in the Uber on the way to the <laughs> hospital, like grabbing my mom's hand, I was like, oh, I can't do this. Like, I just threw it all. I was like, yeah, just throw it out the window. It was fine. So with Gemma, I wasn't in pain. So I didn't want to get an epidural soon, but I ended up, I was like, I'm just doing it. Just get it. It's fine. Let's get it over with. And then Adam came and everything was okay. Did they explain to you why you weren't feeling contractions? No. I think it's just every pregnancy is different. Like even postpartum, like after Sophie, you know, everyone says you feel contractions after because the uterus is contracting down. After Sophie, I didn't feel that. But after Gemma, I did. And I had really bad cramping. But like, I have no idea why. Just like every labor is different. Every pregnancy is different. Sophie, I went almost 41 weeks. Gemma, I had her at 37 and a half. Sophie was bigger. I had less fluid because of just time. And they say like second pregnancy, there's like you might go earlier anyway. And your things body are different. Yeah. yeah. Things are different. Just going back to what you were saying earlier about like them sleeping and now talking about postpartum. You are a nursing guru, <laughs> as in breastfeeding guru. Self-proclaimed nursing expert, non-licensed. Non-licensed. Non <laughs> but I will help you. And I'm usually right. <laughs> <laughs> like having not done it before with Sophie, how did yeah. you navigate those waters? Did you have a plan going into it? And what advice can you give me 
<laughs> like about what to expect because I really, really want to breastfeed. I'm so terrified. Yeah. Terrified of what? Pain? I'm a, I'm terrified of the pain. The, the amount of work that I keep hearing, it really requires, like you really need to be committed. And then with like the, the every other hour, whatever, it's like eight hours a day of feeding. And then the emotional side of it, like there's, you know, your hormones are in constant flux and I'm just like kind of scared of that. So right. what do you, what do you, so, first tell me how you figured it out and then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when I was pregnant with Sophie, I just figured that I would, I remember being like, I'm breastfeeding for six months because that's when they eat food and you don't need to, you don't need to give them anything else. And my mom was like, you made that up. That's not a thing. <laughs> it's really a year because then they can have milk and the traditional way of feeding is either your breastfeed or formula fed or both and babies can't have milk before a year i don't know what that science is what what milk like like milk cow's from the store milk. okay yeah like cow's milk i don't know what it is of why I, you can't you can give them yogurt before a year but milk i don't know why i have never figured that out okay. so i just was like i'm gonna do it for a year like I'm not worried about it. You and I were having a conversation that you were saying you were worried in the hospital if you had low milk supply or you yeah. maybe weren't able to nurse and you had to give formula. You wanted a specific kind. So to bring that specific kind and bottles and a bottle warmer. That never occurred to me because I just figured I would nurse. And even a lot of times what happens is babies are born with a high jaundice level, which is like their red blood cells are like too much or something again I don't I don't know why and the best way to get rid of that is to like feed them around the clock and literally put them in the sun but an old school way which happened to like a few of my friends that OB is like or the peed is like just fill them up with formula and when Sylvia was born in the high jaundice level I was like I'm not just like giving her formula I'm just gonna feed her and even though like when you first have a baby like you don't actually have a milk supply you have colostrum which is like the milk before the milk and your milk will come in in a few days. I wasn't like worried about it. I think also my mom really helped me because she, again, she's a nurse midwife. She's also a nutritionist. At one point she was a lactation consultant, which are trained people to help with bre with breastfeeding, you know, with lactation. And she probably was like too annoying about it and really <laughs> like pushed me, but she helped also because it made me feel more comfortable in figuring it out. Also, what happens is there's like this flip. So this happened to me really bad with Gemma that like I was nursing. You have like double, triple milk supply the more kids you've had. So when I had Gemma, I could feed like 10 kids. It was amazing. She ate so fast, which I was like, this is so easy. And I fed her wherever I went. Sophie, I was much more like reserved. I had a ton of pain. I like was using shields. I was using all these creams. I was freaking out about it constantly. Like what if I couldn't figure it out? I would get like shooting pain up the left side. I don't know why the left side, I think I would hold her funny. It took me like a month to really figure it out to the point that I had so much pain that she actually wasn't gaining weight because I wasn't feeding her properly. That my peed was like, okay, like what's going on? Asked me a million questions. And thankfully, like she's so supportive and amazing that she really helped me. But she was like, listen, like you have two weeks to train your body to figure this out. And if you don't do it, you're not going to be able to nurse for however long you want. So you're going to have to feed 20 minutes aside. So 40 minutes, which is actually normal, which people are like, fuck that. They don't want to do it. But babies eat really slow. That's why I like the expression like, oh, I nursed this drink is like as an expression because okay. they really eat that slow. 
Then I had to pump and bottle feed her after each feed. So I had to go and get bottles and like all of this stuff that week. And I was freaking out about it. I had a lactation consultant come who also was amazing. Who like comes to your house. They check how like you're holding the baby, how they like the pain comes from like the latch, which is how they like literally how they latch onto you. But you don't know what you're doing. The babies, babies don't know what they're doing. Sucking is instinctual to them. They suck their thumb in the womb and like sucking is calming, right? Like rooting reflex. But they don't actually know how to nurse and you don't know what you're doing. And you could have a lot of supply, which I had, and they're like kind of slobbering all over you, which is gross. And I used like every cream on the market. I was doing these like salt soaks. I was using shields. I was doing all these things, but it was preventing her from properly latching and getting enough in. So I had to basically like deal with the pain for a week. And then after like a week of that, she ended up gaining like so much weight. And I took her back to the doctor and my ped was like, you should be so proud of yourself because like nine out of 10 moms would have been like, fuck this. I'm not doing any of this and just give formula. I like, I wanted, I started crying in the doctor's office. I was just like, she was like, I understand like what you just went through. And like, people will think that you're crazy that you like endured that stress to figure it out. But I just was so determined. I was reading everything about it. I was texting all my friends. I would never miss a feed. You either have to nurse them or you have to pump it. So like if you have a baby nurse, for instance, and you don't want to feed them in the middle of the night, you're really supposed to either nurse or pump that feed instead. Because if your body, it's like supply and demand. So if you don't get it out, your body will know not to make it, which is amazing. Once your kids start sleeping through the night, your body will just know on its own. I don't need milk at night. Like it's almost like your it goes into dormant. But in the beginning, like when you're building up your milk supply, like you really have to stick to it. Now that's really just like baby number one, baby number two is a different story because I definitely was not as insane with Gemma because you have like double, triple the milk. And you're also like, she's fine. Like you figure it out, you get much more confident, but the first time around, like, you're so afraid of like, losing your supply. And then I went back to work. And I was like, I'm gonna pump and I pumped twice a day in our office. Yeah, for a while for a long time. And I would, I mean, thankfully, like, we really like set it up. I guess I paved the way in a little bit because you never had a pregnant employee or a mom employee told me. And we moved into that new office. And I was like, you have to provide me with a pump room. That's not a bathroom, which like you wouldn't know that, you know, otherwise. And I would leave meetings. I'd be like, listen, like I have to go. Like I just was so dedicated to it, but luckily like had a place of employment that also provided that because that's also not that easy. Like a really good friend of mine told me she works like in a very male dominated industry and like in a huge high rise in Midtown. It's all men. There's like one room for like 20 floors. It's like not possible to book this room twice a day for six months. And she's like, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to go to these executives that are like 60 years old and tell them, well, federal law requires you to provide me with a lactation room. They're going to tell me to fuck off or get a new job. Like, yeah, legally I'm entitled to that. But also like, that's not the reality of the world that we live in. And it's that easy to just say that. I know a girl, but it's she was like she's really high up in her company and yet she still gets like guilt about the fact that because she pumps. She got guilt about like the fact that she has to come to this meeting because the clients, it's the clients only time to come. She's like, I need to 
breast I need to pump at this time. Mm-hmm. And even though like she's pretty really senior she has to like go do that she gets the guilt about it there's not like people aren't making sure. her schedule impo- like it's not she's not being prioritized in this and yeah. because just that people don't realize how serious that type of schedule is but question though like if you miss one it's not a big deal the problem is is that pumping is just like guessing right like you hook yourself up to a pump and you can't do it like too fast and whatever your supply is your supply is so like I was drinking these like lactation teas like three times a day when I went back to work with Sophie to keep up the supply so I could pump like 15 16 ounces a day which is like really good like a lot of women really struggle with that and they're like okay well if I only get three or four I'm going to supplement anyway I'm okay with that if you're okay with that then great but like I was like I have to have the full amount if you're home with a baby you just feed them yeah so with Gemma like I wasn't as crazy as how much I pumped if I pumped I saved it all actually and I nursed her she would just pull off when she was done I didn't actually know how much she was eating but when you pump like it's forcing it out of you versus a baby's always going to get the most out. So if I miss a nursing feed by 30 minutes to an hour, it's not a big deal because she's going to take out what she needs. If I miss a pump, like your supply also goes down throughout the day. So you're always the most full in the morning. So like if the 3 p.m. pump was always like the worst one, right? Like you never get a lot out. If I miss that and all of a sudden it was five, I might have like nothing. Then I also like have to go home and nurse again at like six. So like that's where like that schedule is like you have to be like a little crazy about it. And like I'm going to lock myself in this room twice a day. I even got mastitis, which is an infection that you get in the milk duct, which is terrible. It basically feels like the flu. And you you could take Um, antibiotics too. You take antibiotics, um, but I caught it like late. So by the time I started antibiotics, I probably already had it for a day. So I was awful. I had also got it with Gemma, but I got it a lot earlier and I knew it. I woke up in the middle of the night and I just knew. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay. But like the best thing for that, obviously you need antibiotics first and foremost because it's an infection and it's fine for the baby. Like very little passes through the milk, but you also need to nurse it out. But like the pain, like yeah. it's like the most nauseating pain ever. <laughs> and Sophie was nine months when I had it and Gemma was like six months when I had it. But that said, this is like personal choice. And personal choice. And I like, listen, I've never given my kids formula. I don't know anything about it. But you know, I have a lot of friends that really struggled who really, really wanted to, you know, like if they had, I have one of my oldest friends in the world, I've known her my whole life, she had like a little bit of a traumatic labor, I would say with her first, and she needed a blood transfusion. She's fine. But she thinks that really affected her milk supply coming in. So like, if you really have no milk, so the baby's like five or six days old, like they have to eat something. I mean, keep in mind that the baby's stomach is the size of a marble. So they really oh, don't need that much, so cute. but they need something. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that, that was my question. Yeah. What do you do? You know, so she gave him formula. Okay. So you, give for- you have to give something. How, right? long, how long do you try for? I don't know if you can answer this question. How long do you try for? until you have to you know a lactation consultant will come to you in the hospital to to help you nurse now with your first kid honestly I think it does nothing unfortunately because one 15 minute session is not going to teach you because you don't really have a milk supply and you're not comfortable 
Having a lactation consultant come to your house when the baby's like a week or a week and a half old is the best thing in the world. And I have the best woman ever. She's a lifesaver. That's really the best way to learn because you don't know what you're doing and the baby doesn't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. First of all, you can't leave the hospital until a pediatrician clears the baby until an OB clears you. I went home with both pregnancy, both babies at 24 hours. I was like, get me out of here. I'm fine. I don't want to sleep in the hospital. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have that much of a supply, like, I mean, I don't know, because the other thing is, is you have to take them to the doctor all the time. So they have to get checked by a pediatrician like three or four times in that first week. And then again, like a few days later. So there's like a lot of checkpoints and they weigh them. They have to gain like an ounce a day. So that is also like the biggest factor. So that's what happened with Sophie was at 10 days old, she hadn't gained any weight in a week. And they were like, what? And she was fine. But like, there, she was like, what's happening? Because yeah. you're obviously like nursing. I know you said that like you wanted your nursing every day. I believe you. You're telling me you're in so much pain. That's when we like figured all it out. But that could have been like, I have no supply. Like, um, you know, she's on for 40 minutes and she's screaming all day. She's constantly hungry. Like, okay, maybe you need to supplement. Maybe you need to pump also at the same time to like try to boost your supply. Like whatever you want to do. do you know the difference also is like when you're nursing it's just you so you can have all the help in the world but no one else can feed the baby which is really hard I think that That's was like the hardest part, part for me yeah. emotional because you're physically attached to this child and no one can help you with that but yes it was my choice so like that was always a struggle mm-hmm. well okay so but in terms of like sleep schedule it's it's coordinated with with how you nurse right yeah, absolutely. Did you figure that out through any tools? Like, I know you gave me the book. The 10 by 10. I gave you a lot of books. You said <laughs> I gave you an encyclopedia. You better be reading it. <laughs> where it is. I don't know where well, it is. It's, I, I might have it here. No, but the one about the, the sleeping one, 12 by 12. 12, by, 12 hours by 12 weeks. Yeah, really, really works. I would have to say that that's based on bottle feeding, not breastfeeding. And there is a little bit of a nap schedule in there that I do not agree with, which we will get to that um, later. It's like you're too far away from needing to learn that. I mean, feeding is like step one, right? Like they need to eat all the time. Yeah. The way that you sleep train them is based on how you feed them. And the goal is to get them to four feeds a day every four hours. And then they sleep the night 12 hours at night. That's the goal. That's the goal. By three months. At three months. By 12 weeks. Okay. Give or take. I mean, I think a lot of babies sleep through the night four or five months in. My Both my kids slept through the night at 11 weeks. I know, like, thank God. But, like, don't stress yourself out if, like, she's 11 weeks and she's not sleeping. Like, it just lucked out, honestly. Like, so... You want to get them eating every four hours and you can't do that overnight. And when you have an infant, they eat like every hour, every two hours. And when you're nursing, you have to nurse on demand. That means every time that kid cries, you feed them. And that is for two reasons. One, they have to gain weight. Mm -hmm. And two, like it's for your supply. It's almost instinctual. The baby like as, as the baby grows and needs more food, they'll nurse longer and they'll boost your supply, right? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> Which is really cool because they just know what yeah. they need and then they pull off or they go to sleep Do your sleep boobs when get done. bigger as the supply grows or no? No, no. Like when your milk comes in, you go from normal to like these bricks, like literally in a matter of hours <laughs> and they stay like that for a while. Oh they don't really settle. I'm trying to think with the first pregnancy. 
I don't know. It was a while before they settle and you're like leaking a lot and shit. But like in reality, like at six months old, Sophie was eating three times as much as she was eating at like 10 weeks. You know, it, it, it that I don't know why that is. It's like this engorgement. I don't know. We again. So I don't know any science. <laughs> unlicensed. <laughs> unlicensed. Unlicensed. No science training. All anecdotal based on experience. But I'm usually right. <laughs> that's, that's your tagline. The goal for sleeping through the night is like you're supposed to really start working with them around six weeks old because at six weeks old, they should be sleeping five to six hours at night. In the beginning, they're like they're nocturnal. Their circadian rhythm is flipped, you know, so they are awake at night, which is terrible and annoying, and they eat all the time. Once they hit six weeks, like it should really level out where now they can do a five, six hour stretch at night, which means that like. They, their stomach is a little bigger and they can go a little longer. The rule of thumb is really to wait till they're, they weigh. It's not really about their ages, it's about their weight because the ages are relevant because you could have a baby weighing all different things. So they really should weigh like 10 to 11 pounds because that means their stomach is big enough to hold the food. What I have found, and this doesn't really happen with nursing because a baby paces themselves and pulls off when they're done. Yes, there's always spit up. But babies that are bottle fed, you're just kind of guessing and there's like a lot of throw up. There's a lot of gas. There's a lot of reflux. So it's hard to know like what they're taking in. If they can really hold more, you want to like hold them off four hours and then you give them eight ounces and they're like, no. And they're just like throwing it all up. It doesn't work. So you have to like start really slow. So let's say all of a sudden your baby's like six weeks old, which is what happened with me with both my kids, more like seven weeks. And then Gemma eight weeks because she was really, she was born two pounds less. Mm -hmm. So she needed more time to catch up. They're like 11 pounds. They're sleeping five to six hours a night. Okay, now I've gone another like three hours to my next feed. Now I want to start like pushing them. And you push them in 15-minute increments. So you can't go like, oh, I fed her at 8 a.m. And now I can push her till noon Mm -hmm. when she's freaking out at 11 a.m. You can push her to 8.15. I mean, people do that, but I don't don't, like believe in that. So it's been three hours. I know she wants to eat. I'm going to push her off to 11.15. I'm going to push her off 15 minutes. You do that every feed till you work your way up to every four hours. Once you start, that's probably like a three-week process. Yeah. This is what I mean by I'm afraid of all of the work. (laughs) Right. It's a lot of work. But that is work no matter whether you're nursing or you're bottle feeding. Uh You need to do that anyway for sleep because sleep is like number one. Everybody needs the sleep. And kids who are under slept are can be underdeveloped like in other areas. They might like struggle with school or like they, you know what I mean? Like, the sleep affects everything and, and everybody's life, not just the kid in yours. So like that is like number one. But there's a lot of different things. Then you work your way up to dropping night feeds one at a time. Mm-hmm. And then it just works. All of a sudden, they just don't wake up. And you're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't talk to her. She's still asleep. And then once – and then you hope it lasts. And then once they're on a solid schedule like that, then you work on nap training. Nap training is a whole other ballgame. And then they regress, you know, or they call them sleep progressions, not really regressions where they start sleeping like you. So they wake up every couple hours, they get upset. It depends. Like I had different experiences with Sophie and Gemma because with Sophie, I didn't let her cry for more than a second. Yeah. So when she regressed at four months and all of a sudden would cry to go to bed because she was nursing to fall asleep, I was like, holy shit, what do I do? And it was like three weeks of like nonsense. With Gemma, I was like, I'm not doing this again. I'm always putting you down awake. 
and she just was fine. Yeah. Oh boy. So what's your advice for me? <laughs> I mean, it's so hard because I remember coming home from the hospital with Sophie and Adam was reading 12 by 12 and everyone was like, you, there's like nothing for you to learn right now. Yeah. That's what's hard. Yeah. I just, you focus, I think you are kind of like this. You focus on one thing at a time, right? So like you're going to move and you're going to set up the house and decorate and get all your shit in order. And then you're going to have the baby and you're just going to like be like, what do I actually need to do? Yeah. So for you, it could be nursing the way it was for me, you know, and maybe you're just dedicating your time to that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else to do. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just think about it. Like, what are you doing? You're not going anywhere. Yeah. You're not sleeping. Your whole body hurts. Like you're just up in whatever. <laughs> Are you having a baby nurse? I forgot. Yes, I am for like two weeks. And um, she just canceled on me yesterday. <laughs> and I was like hysterically crying. I got a billion recommendations like through like from this morning. But yeah, that's a whole nother story. But I would say help around you helps. Like I'm not an anxious person at all. Like I don't want to like act like it's that easy. And and I had a really hard time. So I think if you add that on, I talked about this with Brittany a lot, like you know, if you're feeling a certain way, if you feel like something is so hard or like debilitating, then don't do it. Like it doesn't need to, it's not a competition. Like I think people, there's no like badge of honor for like doing anything in any way. Actually, you know what Sophie said to me yesterday? She was like, mom, how come you don't feed Gemma from here? Like pointing to my chest. I was laughing yes. so much. And like she would copy me. She would take the nursing pillow and take her like stupid little Elsa doll and lift her shirt. And I was like, this is funny, but also weird. Yeah. Which is why you don't want to nurse your kids too long where they like know about it. Well, I don't know about that. There's plenty of people who nurse for like Whatever. Years. Yeah. No judgment. No judgment. And a lot of my friends really did both. They really felt like some was better than nothing. So like if you don't have the type of job where you can pump or you don't have enough milk supply, but you have something, then you do both because it's like better than nothing. They felt better about it. It just everybody has their own opinion. And like, I feel like no one can tell you how you're going to feel like it's the weirdest, hardest thing to experience. And unless you go through it, you'll never know. Like no mm-hmm. matter how much that you read, no matter how much I tell you, like horror stories are great stories. Like you just don't there's no way to experience it. It's almost like, I feel like part of me was hard for me, I would say with work is because no one else had kids. So none of you could ever fathom like what I was going through, which was hard for me. Not That's not really fair to you or to Sammy or to anyone else, but that still made it hard even mm-hmm. this time around. Like, yeah, you can't expect people to understand like what it's like because it's the most like unique experience and feeling. Mm-hmm. And Everybody experienced some sort of postpartum up and downs. There's normal levels of up and downs. And then there's actual like, you know, depression. I know you had that like whole episode, which is really important. Yeah. That stuff I think is also really important to just keep an eye out on, you know, and I think having like your mom around and even obviously Rusty and like people who know you really well to maybe help you recognize like. Yeah. What's normal and what's okay. Like the stress or the up and downs that are normal that like you can't do anything about versus like maybe this is actually creating an even worse feeling for me. And then this is where I could like dial something back. So whether it's having a nurse, not nursing, like Mm -hmm. whatever that is, you know, everyone has to figure that out for themselves because you don't know what it's going to be like. Right. So I can't, there's very little 
planning that I could do, which is fine, accepting that. And the control, you know what I mean? Like you want to control everything and like you, you just can't. You just can't. It's hard with the baby. And I was even like a little annoying about that too. Like I would call my mom and be like, she was going every three hours and now she's eating every hour. What the fuck? And I would freak out. Like I'd be so mad crying and she'd be like, Shira, like she's a baby. Like there's no schedule. Like you want to think you have it under control. And then they just fuck shit up and they're <laughs> cluster feeding and they're growing and they're eating it. She, I remember Sophie ate every hour and she was so cute and chubby and fat. And then that's what hit that hit her to her 11 pound weight. Yeah. It was like her, her, her check-in. Um, and then I started sleep training. I was like, all right, I'm over you eating every day. You psycho, <laughs> you know, <laughs> your, kid, have, your kids like, they, definitely have kids appetites. Eat. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I feel like we covered a lot of things. We didn't even get to talking about like maternity leave because we had so many people submit questions about maternity leave and also like just the emotional side of going back to work, which I feel like maybe we could talk about another episode if anybody's listening has questions for Shira around that. That's a really good topic. I would say that like all of my friends and I, we really struggle with that returning to work and it's really hard and we even were like, how do we make that easier for like future people who work for us? Like when they return to work, yeah. and we don't know that we have the right answers, but I have some ideas, but I'm curious what people think and their own experiences, or maybe if there are certain things that they set up for themselves that maybe help them because uh, it's really, that's like a struggle in itself, you know, because you almost have to, you spend so much time about the baby and then all of a sudden it's, it's like about you and this business and, it's real. It's a lot harder in some ways. Mm -hmm, definitely. And I think like a lot of people have like just even questions about like, when do I tell my boss or yeah. how do I tell my boss or like what, what if I want to find a new job? Like so many different things. So guys, email us moms at betches.com or you can DM us at betches moms. We should cover that. I feel like in another episode, it, there's, there's so much because no one, no one really like I was with three people who were pregnant women and everyone was like sort of talking about their different experiences at their companies and how it's so different and like who gets like which um, non-primary care parent partner gets leave, which doesn't, you know, some companies offer like for both people, some only right. none. That's, that's important to know that like there's, yeah, there's really one very broad federal law that doesn't do that much for you. And yeah. then every state could have its own. Some states have their own state laws, which are great. Like New York has a really good state um, law. But then companies can do whatever they want. They have to meet a federal and a state minimum, but then they can also do whatever they want. So some companies could really provide a lot. And some companies could basically not care Bare at all minimum. and just give whatever the minimum is. So it really... That's a whole conversation the, itself, and how so much. For people to find out too. And the what shocking, questions they the get. shocking thing I've 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 learned is that healthcare workers get like nothing, and especially oh, like really? my my friend who's an OBGYN resident gets six weeks, and it's not even fully that, paid. It's just in New York. Yep, and. Like oh, they might be classified differently. So that's something else. Yeah. Like, what does Rusty get? Does he get paternity leave? He gets same, but also like I think it's partially paid six so the, weeks. They just probably give him the just state the minimum. state, but that's the same thing. He's been a healthcare worker for like eleven years, twelve years, thirteen insane. years. No, that's insane. Right. Insane. And right. most, and it's not like this country has a long way to go in terms of maternity. Leave. 
And most people in this profession as nurse practitioners are women. So like that to me is really mind boggling. But anyway, I feel like we have so many things to cover and just talk about. So if anybody has questions, again, that's moms at Betches.com, at Betches Moms. Thank you, Shira, for joining us. I'm excited about our follow-up episode if people have questions. And don't forget everyone to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. And follow Betches Moms on Instagram. You can follow me at Aileen. And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom, right, Regina? Please stop talking. The Betches Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram and send us your emails to moms at betches.com. Betches.